Differing Things is a podcast which focuses on how far religion and society have deviated from the Bible. Differing Things will cover many topics, both spiritual and current, to draw our listeners closer to their creator. Now for today's host, Bill Petrie. I thought it would be very interesting to look at the relationship between time and God. Christianity typically teaches that God is outside of the parameters of time. I ask the question, is that so? What is time and when did time start? Many think that time started when God created the world. It is true that the way man keeps track of time is based on the physical universe. Minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years are all related to the Earth's rotation around the sun. This does not mean that time did not exist before the creation of the world, however. For a proper understanding of time, A person must understand that God is both an uncreated, eternal being and a creator. He has many natural, uncreated attributes or characteristics. These attributes exist out of necessity because they are part of God's uncreated, eternal being. God has always existed. He has no beginning. God did not create himself, nor did he create any of his natural attributes. For example, God did not create his power. His power, like himself, has no beginning. His power has its foundation in God's uncreated essence. God has many uncreated natural attributes. Some of these are, one, he is an uncreated eternal being. Two, he has all possible knowledge. There is no knowledge that God lacks. There is nothing knowable that he does not know. Three, he can be in multiple places at once. Four, he has all possible power. There is no greater power than God. God can do all things that are possible. Five, He has all possible wisdom. And six, he has a will and the freedom to make choices. God is also a creator. The things he creates exist out of his free choice. Some people get upset when they hear that God has limitations. They fail to understand that God did not create any of his natural attributes. 
these attributes are part of God's eternal makeup. He cannot change the facts of these natural attributes any more than he can change the fact that he exists. For example, God cannot change the fact that he has all power. He can choose how he uses his power, but he cannot choose to have less power. God also cannot change the fact he has all knowledge. He cannot choose to have less knowledge than he has. God is both uncreated and he is a creator. To help clarify this idea, I want you, if you can, to make a chart for yourself. It has two columns. The one column will have a heading, God's natural attributes. The other column has God's creations. Under God's natural attributes, you can write these two sentences. This is God's uncreated and eternal being. God has no free choice over having these attributes. They exist out of necessity because these must exist since God himself exists. Under God's creations, you can write, this is what God freely chooses to do with his natural abilities. These are the result of his own free choice and not just the result of uncreated fact. So God's eternal uncreated being then is related to his natural attributes. God's free will is what God chooses to do with his natural attributes. God's natural attributes exist out of necessity. God's creations exist out of his free choice. God's real value and worth are not just judged by the facts of his natural attributes. The fact that God is an uncreated, eternal being and has all power and does not, does not give him any praiseworthiness or value. What if God chose to use his power for selfish reasons or in some inappropriate way? It is what God chooses to do with what he has that gives him true value and praise. Time is also a natural attribute of God. God did not create time. Let me repeat that. God did not create time. Time is a part of God's eternal, uncreated essence and makeup. God cannot control the fact of it. 
He cannot be outside of it, nor separate himself from it. He is time. And nothing that he has that he has ever done will change this fact. <clears throat> time, like God, has no beginning or end. God is an eternal being that he has an active intelligence. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9 states, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. From this verse, we understand that God is always thinking. He has thoughts. It is impossible for him not to have any active thoughts at all. Before he created the world, the passage of time was marked by different thoughts and ideas. Time is the succession of duration. This means that time marks the passage of ideas, thoughts, and events. God may think a thought for some interval and then think a different thought. Time must be linear. Once God thinks a certain thought, he cannot somehow go back in succession. He can create something and then destroy it. But it did exist for some interval or duration. He cannot travel back in time before he created it. No matter what God did, he could never undo any of his actions or thoughts as if they never existed. God cannot think a thought and then unthink it. God can think a different thought and God can change his mind, but he can never go back in time or the series of events. God is very personal and active. He has made many choices and will continue to make many more. The scriptures then confirm the definition of time is a non-spatial continuum in which events occur in irreversible succession. That, by the way, is also the definition that the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language 3rd Edition gives for time. Let me repeat it. Time is defined as a non-spatial continuum in which events occur in irreversible succession. God also has a free will. His thoughts are really his own creation. God is part of an endless and continuous, continuous sequence of thoughts, ideas, and actions. Once God thinks a thought, it becomes forever embedded in the essence of time. God cannot undo his thoughts. They instead become the past. If God is at thought three, then no matter what he does, 
he will never undo thoughts one and two. Thoughts one and two are now totally out of his control. He may think thought four, and thought four could be 180 degrees opposite of thought two, but he may never change the fact that thought two once existed. It is not possible for God to go into the future in a series of events. Why is that? It is because the future does not yet exist. Every thought of God is his own creation and must be a part of his endless duration. Every idea, thought, or action of God must of necessity have some duration or interval of existence. In the sequence of events, there is some interval before a creation. Then there is the creation itself, and then there is the interval after the creation. Each creation or thought of God must have these three basic truths. Every creation of God must take place within a series of events. It is impossible for any creation not to have these three truths. There is the creation, an interval before creation. There is the creation itself and the interval after the creation. God created man because he wanted intelligent creatures with whom he could share his love. God created man in his own image, after his own likeness. This refers to man's makeup, not his physical design. It refers to man's morality and character, not his physical design. God has free choice, and he has created man with the freedom of choice. God has given the ability to determine and create his own character, whether that character is either good or evil. God has given each person the power and freedom to create their own thoughts, ideas, and actions. Each person creates his own moral character. This means that any person has the freedom to become evil, rebellious, and wicked, or obedient and seek after righteousness. There are two types of law, physical necessity and free action. For example, the law of gravity is a physical law. If you hold up a brick and then let go, it must fall. You will always get the same result, no matter how often you do this. Physical law is a coarse rule of action that has a fixed and certain result. There is no free choice involved and no other course possible. The same can be said for the salvation of man. God took it out of the realm of choice 
when Jesus died for all sin once for all time. God's natural attributes are under physical law because they exist out of necessity and not free choice. This is true of salvation as well. The minute Jesus defeated death by raising himself from the dead, he freed all mankind from a permanent condition of death. This became a physical law. Death will result in life. True freedom must involve choice. The choices any person makes are not fixed, and they are not certain. Freedom of action implies different responses to the same effects. The future resulting actions or choices of any free being are not certain or fixed. These future choices have not been created. And in the series of events, they do not exist yet. Since future choices do not exist until they are made, the knowledge of result cannot exist until the choice is made. This means that the future choices of a free being cannot be knowledge. No one can know them, including God because it is not knowable, and God knows all that is knowable. Animals do not have a free will, and their actions in course are certain and fixed. They are governed by physical law. God created them with instinct. They do not have the power or ability to create any new thoughts. They are not moral creatures. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 7 record this. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. If God knew all the future choices of man, he could not have been sorry or grieve for what he knew would take place. It is not possible for God to be sorry for something that he knew for certain would take place. When God told Abraham to slay his son, he was not certain in advance if Abraham would be willing to kill his son. Read carefully Genesis 22:12 where it says the following and he said lay not thine hand upon the lad neither do thou anything unto him 
for now I know that thou fears God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. The verse is clear. God did not know the evil that certain people would do. In fact, the idea of certain evil happening never even came into God's thought process. Consider Jeremiah 19.5. They have built also the high places of Baal to turn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. And in Jeremiah 32, 35, we read, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. God did not know of King Saul's future disobedience. If God knew in advance that King Saul would turn against him, why did he appoint him as king and then repent for doing it? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11. It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me, and he has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. We understand that Christians are instructed to pray. That is because prayer can change God's mind and it can change God's plans. Consider Exodus chapter 32 and verses 9 through 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, They have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot against your people, which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak? And say, for mischief, did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swearest by your own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it for the eon. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Reread verse 14. The Lord 
repented, he had a change of mind. Of the evil, the word evil there literally means calamity. Or, or the idea of, of a calamitous event. The Lord changed his mind of the calamity which he had thought to do to the nation of Israel. Prayer changed God's mind. And if God's mind can be changed, it changed what the future would have been. And if it can change what the future would have been, that means that the future was not set. Consider 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amaz, came to him and said unto him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech you, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart and done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore or greatly. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Now consider this. Hezekiah was given a death sentence. It was a prophecy that was foretold to Hezekiah by none other than the prophet Isaiah himself. Hezekiah prays. He prays and pours out his heart to God. And what does God do? He tells Isaiah, I want you to turn around and go back to King Hezekiah and tell him, I have heard his prayer. And I've seen his tears. And I will change the course of his future and allow him to live. My question is this. What if Hezekiah had made a choice not to pray and just threw his hands up and said, it is all fixed? Wouldn't he have died? Prayer changed God's mind which changed the future, not only of King Hezekiah, but of history itself. It made a prophecy that the book of Micah is predominantly about, Assyria conquering Judah, 
irrelevant. Now think about that. The vast majority of the book of Micah is about a prophecy that never, ever takes place. Why? Because prayer changed the course of the future. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10 state this. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Neither let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not? And God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil or calamity that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. If all the future choices of man were knowledge, this would set aside free will. The only way God could be certain of the future choice of a free being is if he forced it, as he did with salvation. If God ever causes an individual to do something, then God is truly responsible for this person's actions, whether good or bad. If God really knew all the future choices of Adolf Hitler, then he would be partly responsible for his actions. We call this being an accomplice to the crime. And this was the charge against numerous Watergate conspirators. God could have easily prevented Adolf Hitler from being born. <clears throat> Adolf Hitler had freedom and created his own evil character. Even our law would find a person guilty if he had the knowledge of a future evil act and that did nothing to prevent it. <clears throat> The law would hold him responsible for having knowledge and doing nothing to prevent a crime. God is never, let me repeat this, God is never responsible for any future created choice a free being makes because it is 
a free choice and it is not knowable in advance. This is why God can repent and change his mind. This is why God sometimes is caught by surprise. Each person has the creative ability to bring forth thoughts, ideas, and actions that have never existed. Sin itself is a person's own creation. God didn't create it. God didn't force a person to think a sinful thought. A person does not sin until they choose selfishness over God's will. God did not create sin. Adam gave to man the knowledge of good and evil. When what the person does with the knowledge is that own individual's choice. The reason why sin is a crime worthy of death is because each person is fully responsible for their own sin. A death penalty is never imposed when there is no responsibility for the crime. God wants free people, except in the relationship to salvation. And that is why he didn't leave it to chance. That is why he himself sent his son to be the offering for sin. It would be a totally perfect sacrifice that had the ability to remove the sins of the entire world because it was that pleasing. We are not free to decide and choose to not have the offering applied. It was done once for all, for all time. Being saved or lost ultimately will be a free will decision, but it will be a free will decision that all creation will make that the love of God is greater than anything they had experienced. And they will believe at some point. Salvation is always for everyone by grace. All people are included in the grace of God. This is why Jesus died once for all. This is why Jesus did all the work. He did the work to take it out of the realm of chance. God has many future contingencies based on what you do or do not do. Prayer can really change God's mind and plans. You can go to God and change his plans concerning you or your surroundings. Your future choices are not knowable because you have yet to create them. Your present decisions, thoughts, ideas, and actions are beginning to form your future. If you change them now, you change your future. Some people believe that the past, present, and future are ever present with God, while others believe that God lives outside of time. 
these ideas are completely absurd. It is impossible for God to leave time as much as it is impossible for God to leave himself. There are other impossibilities. First, God cannot create a rock so heavy that he cannot throw it. Second, God cannot create another being like himself. He is uncreated. God cannot create an uncreated being. Third, God cannot be in a place that does not exist. Fourth, God cannot cease being God. Fifth, God cannot think any thought that does not have a certain duration or interval. His mind is always active. He cannot stop thinking. And sixth, God cannot travel forward or backward in time. He cannot undo any past event or thought of any being, including himself. Once a sequence of events or thoughts takes place, nothing can ever alter that sequence. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Mm-hmm.